0: called the year of living fearlessly what an awesome way to start our year and today you guys are going to get to hear from one of our good friends a good friend who actually put on a clinic of how to live fearlessly in the midst of uncertainty in the midst of struggle in the midst of hurting Uh, last month Mac and I went to Arizona um, for the funeral of a good friend of ours, Greg Rollinger. Um, Greg was the pastor, the founding pastor of Palm Valley Church in Arizona he and his wife lori led that church fearlessly they're incredible leaders greg had a heart for people who were far from god and lori too lori and their four children they continue to show us how to live fearlessly greg from the moment of his diagnosis up until the very end was a picture for us all to see of how to walk with God, stay faithful to God, and live every day with hope, with peace, with joy, with humor. Greg was laughing. Even when he couldn't speak, he was laughing, and we were laughing with him. You know, three years ago, um, after his diagnosis, he spoke at the c3 conference in dallas the c3 conference is a conference for church leaders from all over the world and greg spoke and shared his story at c3 in 2013 and thanks to technology this message has been shown and has touched and changed lives All over the country for the last three years and thanks to technology we get to see it today and to hear from Greg how to live fearlessly when facing uncertainty will you bow your head with me God I thank you so much I thank you for the local church I thank you for being a sovereign God who never takes his hand off his people I thank you God for technology that allows us today to hear from Greg God I ask right now that you will do something only you can do that you will touch every single heart within reach here live here watching online or anyone who will watch later touch their hearts change them help us to see you and know you better because of Greg's words. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Sitting here this morning enjoying a beautiful park setting, an incredible Arizona sunrise, uh, a white chocolate mocha. Lately I've just been reminded to be grateful for the little things each day, for, for each day I have. And, uh, you know, today I want to update you and share with you what's been going on over the last few weeks with, with my health issues and some of the things Lori and I are learning Walking through this has been kind of like putting together a very complicated jigsaw puzzle that uh, that we don 't really understand and so We've been, we've been just going step by step and uh, kind of kind of learning each uh, step along the way, but but actually last week we got some more news to kind of bring the whole jigsaw puzzle into clearer picture. Uh, I've now been diagnosed with what actually is called multiple system atrophy with orthostatic hypotension, which is just a way of saying low blood pressure. But uh, the multi-system atrophy, uh, Parkinson's is a part of that, and, and what it is is my central nervous system is, is shutting down just part by part and, and different parts of my body are just shutting down. It, it's, uh, it's not a, a great diagnosis nor prognosis as my doctor said, said don't Google it. it, it's all bad and, and really uh, what we're facing is, is a disease that, that right now has no treatment, that has no cure that uh, is very uh, new on on the scene for doctors and and they're trying to still wrap their arms around what it does and what it means but uh, the prognosis is not good Uh, with no treatment and no cure Uh, The average course from from here for life expectancy is between two to nine years, and uh, that's a bleak outlook, but I'm reminded this morning sitting here that I've got the presence of God in my life and the power of God for my life, and just encouraged this morning by the promises that God has for my life, that, that nothing comes into my life that hasn't passed through his hands and his heart. That he knows me the best and he loves me the most and he wants his best for my life. And I lean into it and cling to those promises today. And I'm just so thankful for each day that the Lord has given me. My, my hope is that in my body and through my life, every day that Christ gives me, I will honor him, I will exalt him, I, I will lift him up. And, uh, you know, we're not giving up. Our doctor said, uh, you know, I don't want you to give up hope. And uh, I told him that, that hope is all I have. And, and you know, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when they went into the fire, our God has the ability to rescue us, but whether or not he does, we will honor him. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to praise and honor him. We're going to live for him each day. Uh, we're going to cherish each relationship. But uh, we're going to ask him to heal us, and then we're going to see what he does. Fellowship of church, thank you. What an honor to be here. I know everybody says what an honor to be here, but from the bottom of my heart, it is an honor to be here. For nine years, we have made the pilgrimage to, to Fellowship Church to learn from Ed and Lisa and their incredible teams. Now, Lori and I started to church in our living room with eight, three other couples, no clue what we were doing. And, and you know, like everybody else in here, nine years ago, we stumbled into Fellowship Church at C3 Conference and blown away by the excellence and the creativity but then your personality, but then most of all, your heart. For some reason, you guys have allowed Lori and I into your life a little bit. And we got invited to events with you. We were just like, be quiet. Don't, maybe they you know, they won't notice us and they'll invite us back if we don't make noise. you know. <laughs> but uh, you have been the dominant voice, outside voice at Palm Valley Church in our lives. And we can't thank you enough. Lisa, you said earlier that, that you are the mom and dad of fellowship. And I, I agree wholeheartedly, but you are, I, I won't say grandma and grandpa because you're, you're not that. <laughs> But you have adopted so many of us, thousands and thousands of your children. You have a voice into our churches. And I honor you. I honor you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me, let me pray together really quickly. Father, we love you. God, thank you for this incredible, incredible conference so we can come and glean and learn and grow and be challenged. God, I know from my heart, some of the most significant spiritual development moments in my life have happened in this room definitely some of the greatest leadership challenges that happened in this room. And so, God, I pray for the next few moments. I, I pray specifically for a pastor, a leader, of Christ followers who's discouraged. God, I pray that you'd encourage us through your word, use your Holy Spirit to do that in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. you me see seated. Thank you for the honor. Ed asked me to come and share a little bit of my story, and you heard that diagnosis was two years ago, and uh, so we were just walking through that, and it really, it's kind of funny, because a couple of years ago, I was sitting right back over here, and one of my staff members asked me, if you ever got to speak at something like this, what would you say? What would you talk about? I, I had no clue. I had no clue. I, I gave some dumb answer, like, I don't know, leadership or something. So I, just, <laughs> I download an Ed Young message, and then just change it, you know, and then use it, so... But God has crystallized over the last couple of years the message of my life. And and it's not a a sermon. It's a living message that that has come out of me. and, And I'm thankful for that. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about leading... Through struggle and, and leading through challenges, if, if you'll allow me a few moments of your time. And as I do, you know, because really, you know, conferences are great and you get excited and rah, rah and get cheered up. But the things I've always taken from C3 is that the, 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 the principles of leadership and, and following Christ and leading people to where God wants you to go, not where they want to go. And something I've learned here and over time, I also learned that life is not always as we plan it. We don't get to control what happens in our life. We don't get to control what comes into our life, but we can control our response and how we react and, and how we respond to what, what comes into our life. And uh, I learned that at early age. You know, I grew up, I was raised by a single dad. Someone asked me recently, What was Christmas like at your house as a kid? And, and I was like, angry and stressed, you know, because my dad was a single dad, and he was trying to get all the decorations up and the presents out, and he was still working, and it was just always that way. As a matter of fact, my, my most significant memory of that period of my life is 10 years old, it was Christmas, and because, you know, back then my, we didn't have a lot, now kids like put their list together, and they expect to get everything they, they put on their list. Remember back in the day, there was like the rotating present, it was your year to get the good present, and then, then you had to wait a couple of years, you know, to come back to the good present. I was 10 years old, it was my year to get the good present. And about August, I started dropping the hints. I wanted this Huffy bike. It was a beautiful bike. Yeah, you remember, if you don't remember Huffy, you're, you're too young. Okay, you got to go, go Google it, and you will learn about the, the, the beautifulness of Huffy. It was a black Huffy bike with this gold chrome, gold rims. And it was just, man, it was so nice. Was, I could just picture a card in there sounding like an engine, you know, between the spokes. And I kept dropping it. So every time I went to Montgomery Wards, I told my dad, that, that's what I want for Christmas. You remember my, my, my Montgomery Wards, right? No? Okay. I'll speak. Thank you the older folks. Yes, thank you. We got Montgomery Ward's. I said, Dad, that's what I want for Christmas. He said, Well, we'll see what Santa does, which is code for it didn't happen, right? <laughs> and so at Christmas Miles, I was always trying to find out the, the gifts, you know, what was coming and, and what was actually in the closet. And so I looked everywhere that year for the bike and couldn't find it. Christmas Eve, we had a tradition because my two sisters and I didn't trust each other, and they didn't trust me. We'd all sleep together up in my sister's room upstairs in the hallway, end of the hallway. And so that night, my dad put us down there, and he, he closed the door, and then he put the chairs up outside the door, like locked us in. I don't know if there was a fire, you had to go to the bathroom, you're out of luck, right? But I was trying to wait out my sisters, and I waited them out, waited them out, you know, I'm staying awake, trying to keep myself awake, they go to sleep, so I want to go down and see if the the, the, the puppy bike was there, and I kept waiting, and finally about 2, 3 a.m., it was probably like 9.30, but I was 10, so <laughs> I was like, Beth, Beth, Michelle, Michelle, no response, I think, I'm good. I start shimming across the floor like a navy seal, right? Get to the door, creak the door open, it, and there's chairs there, right? So I start shimming through the chairs, up and over the legs and around the legs and through. And I made it farther than I'd ever made it before. I got outside of the chairs. We're on the top level, it's a tri-level house. So I start running down the hallway and I'd run down the hallway it was about twenty steps and then got to my dad's room right before my dad's room and I'd turn right and go down the stairs. And there was twelve stairs I knew because I jumped four, four, and four. I had it memorized, right? ADHD, right ahead, you get that. And uh, and I did it over and then he land on this like entryway there. And so I'm running down, and, and then once I land on the entryway, you turn left and go down, and there's there the you know, lower levels where the, the tree was in the presence. So I'm running down the hallway. I'm going towards my dad's door. I hit the, top, the end of the hallway. I turn right, and I, there's a little light coming through the, the skylight, right? And I take two steps, and I get to the top of the stairs. I'm about to jump, right, four, four, four. And I start to jump. My dad had decided that year to add an extra level of security to the system. He put chairs and pots and pans stacked together at the top of the stairs, right? So as I jump, I literally hit smash into the chairs and all the pots and pans. I start instead of four, four, and four, I just go one by, one by one by one, you know, falling down and chairs are on top of me. I hit the platform down on the bottom and I'm laying there like dumb and dumb or like laid out, right, you know, chairs on top of me, pots and pans are coming out, ding, 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 right. And I'm laid out on the floor and chairs on top of me, pots and pans on top, of me and all of a sudden the light clicks on my dad's up at the top of the stairs, my sister and they're like, come on, come on, they're laughing at me, make fun, right? I learned what we all learned, life's not fair, and sometimes you get disappointed, and you got to deal with it, and I want to talk to you about how we have dealt with what has come into our life over the last few years, because what we've decided is what God has allowed into our life, we want to honor him with everything we have, and you know, the diagnosis of my life for, for two years ago, you know, we, we had no clue, three years ago, we were on vacation hiking through the Rockies, and I was as healthy as any other 42-year-old guy, probably more healthy than most, and uh you know, having a good time. And then we started noticing differences, and we started going to doctors, and they couldn't figure out, finally we got the diagnosis of multisystem atrophy, and the doctor said there's no treatment, there's no cure, and he said, good luck, that's pretty much what he said, we said, thanks a lot, right, well, he said, don't Google it, so what do you do first thing, Google, you know, and we've been trying to figure it out, but, but one thing we've learned over the last couple of years is, is about struggle, I feel like I have a PhD in struggles, see, I watch somebody, like, you sit in your chairs, and you just get up when you want to get up, right, and you just walk, I can't do that, right. Literally, we have a morning routine in my house. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm laying there, and I have this morning routine. First of all, I wake up, and I was like, hey, it's a good day. I woke up. I woke up. It's a good day. And I'll start thinking, Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad. And I can't move yet, so I'm just kind of, you know, be still and know that I'm God. It has a real resonance in my life, Right. And I just lay there, and I kind of wait, and, you know, wait for someone to wake up, and then lawyer wake up, and she'll come over, and she'll start kind of massaging my, my feet and legs, get the blood flowing, and literally, it take me about 45 minutes to an hour to get out of bed, right? Well, just start kind of moving, wiggle, wiggle the toes, wiggle the toes, that's good, I can feel my feet, right? That's good. Somebody said recently, Greg, I'm sorry for the pain that you feel, and I said, no, 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 don't feel sorry for the pain I feel, because that's good, that means I can feel, that means I'm alive, and that means my legs work, when I stop feeling the pain is when I got a problem, and so... I, I just thank God for the pain, and I, and I just start wiggling, and I start moving, and then I started moving my legs a little bit, and Laura, come over, and she'll kind of help me out, just kind of plop my legs over the side of the bed, and then I kind of shimmy this way, and then, then after a while, I'll just start to kind of rock like this, and I can't just sit right up, so I, so I just kind of struggle with it, struggle with it, and rock back and forth, and then finally I'll sit up, and say, like, wow, I sat up, that's good, I bed, but, but now I'm sitting up, I can't just step up, because I have a little blood pressure, so if I step up, I will pass out, that blood rushes, it happens all the time, and passing out, we've learned, is not the best way to, to start your morning. So I just sit there for a while. I just rock a little bit, you know, trying to get the blood moving and muscles moving and trying to wake everything up. And I'll just rock back and forth and, you know, just waiting and kind of, okay, God, what are we going to do? And thinking about my day and quoting scripture and just, you know, asking God to heal me today and thinking that I'm up today and just going through, through some scriptures that I, that I go through the morning and then. I'd start rocking, and then it's time to start getting up. So I'll just start trying to rock, and rock, rock. And then finally, I'll, you know, I'll start to feel my legs again and get ready to move. And, and then when it's time, I'll start to get up. I Yep, that was good. I had a little progress, right? And then, then I'll just start to move again, and I'll get a little further. And then I'll just keep rocking and keep rocking, keep rocking. I'll get, get up a little further. No, not quite. And then, then I'll get up, and like I'm almost up, and think, oh, no, no, I'm back down. And, and so, But finally, I get up. And the struggle... I've learned it has value to it. And that's why I am talking about, the value of the struggle. Because here's the thing about, about my struggle. My struggle, it may be unique to me, but I'm not the only one. Every one of this room has struggles. You got struggles? Raise your hand. Every one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Except that guy. Good for you, man. Keep that. That's good. <laughs> um, but my struggle, you know, here's the hardest part. As a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a leader, my, my struggles cause struggle for other people. I watch my wife struggle. We have four beautiful children, ages seven, our seven year old daughter, Brooke, and then 10, 13, and 15, Josh, Jake, and Zach, boys. And they're amazing. But back to Lori, I said, How does it feel like to be the single mom of five kids some days? You know? Because I watch her struggle, having the, the extra weight of what I can't do around the house. And, and then I watch my kids struggle. I watch our church struggle. You know, last week, you know, we started this church in our home, and, and we've we watched people come to the Lord the growing, and families grow, and our church, most part, loves me, right? And uh, And. <laughs> And I've watched the church struggle through every week. You know, wondering, am I going to be there? Am I going to be able to come on stage this week? Are they going to see me or can I not make it today? And last week we announced a succession plan for our church. You know, no time frame, but but we announced what would happen in the case that I can't be there. You want to talk about leadership, challenge, and struggle? my, My greatest challenge is painting a beautiful picture and leading with vision for a church and creating a picture of the future of Palm Valley Church while I sit in meetings planning for a future that doesn't contain me in it. That's hard. But God has led us to it, and he's led us through it. Because when God calls you to something, he will walk you through it. And he has been so faithful in that in our lives. And, and I just want to show you some scriptures that have been encouraging to me. And maybe if you're struggling tonight, they might be to you also. I love what Paul wrote in Second Corinthians 4, verse 16 and 17. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Say that aloud lot of me. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I think some of us, that's all you need to know tonight is don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't, don't give up. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, sometimes I look at scripture and say, light and momentary. Wait a minute, light, this doesn't feel light. And it sure doesn't feel momentary, because when it takes an hour to get up, it feels like an eternity, right? But here's what Paul writes next. He says, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on the unseen, What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think it's reflecting what we learned in Hebrews 12, which is fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, Moses' joy set before him, you and I, he endured the scorn and the shame of the cross on our behalf. And so we've we've chosen to fix our eyes on on the eternal, what we can control, which is our response and our ability to glorify and honor God, not to fix our eyes on the struggles and challenges of our day. Because if you focus on the struggles and challenges, they will eat you alive. That deacon that you focus on, that elder, he will eat you alive, right? And I do a funny impersonation, but I'll leave that to the professionals. And the, you know, the, that budgetary issue, that leadership issue, that personnel issue that you have, they will eat you alive if you focus on them. But, but Paul says, no, 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 focus on the eternal focus on, focus on the cross. Because if you focus on the cross, everything else fades away in the background. And over the last two years, <clears throat> God has given me an incredible gift of perspective, you know, when we first got this diagnosis, Laura and I prayed about it. And we are you know, what do we do with this? How do you handle this? How do we look at the futures of family and as church? And there was a lot of questions. And we were praying one morning. I just looked at her and said, you know, I feel like this is a gift that God's entrusted to us. She said, I feel the same way. I said, what do you do with that? You know, how do we good stewards of a gift like this? Here's what we do. We give God our best and trust him with the rest because we can't control it anyways. And so that's what we've decided to do. And God's given me incredible perspective. Two summers ago, we are at Magic Mountain with all the high schoolers in our camp, in our youth group. And we are on this camp thing I go speak at. And we are doing Magic Mountain. And one of the things about my disease, the first thing they said would go is my legs, my ability to walk, and a couple other things, but really the legs. And you gotta know, as a man, as a, you know, I've played basketball in college. I love being with my kids. I coach their football teams. The legs are helpful for all of that, right? And uh, so I, I was thinking about that. I said, you know, we're Magic Mountain, and my legs started giving out. We're walking around, and Lori said, why don't, why don't we get you a scooter? You know, a little honk, honk scooter. <laughs> and I said, there's no way I'm riding around a scooter at Magic Mountain. And so we went, we went, we went back to the hotel night, and I was praying, and just sitting and sleeping in the hotel room, and I said, God, I can't live without my legs. And God said, really? So, so if I take your legs away, you, you don't want to go on. No, no, hold up, God. I want to go on, but I want my legs. And God's given me this gift of perspective over last year to, to, to understand that He's doing something greater. You know, there's a beautiful illustration of a butterfly. We all know what a butterfly is it's a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon and then works its way, way out into a beautiful butterfly. You want to short circuit what God is doing in the life of a butterfly open the cocoon for it because it'll come out with a swollen body and wings that that don't work. It's in the struggle of fighting out of the cocoon that a butterfly gains its strength and its wings expand. And if you're going through struggle right now, I got to tell you, don't fight it. Keep struggling. Keep rocking because God is building your strength and preparing you for what he's already prepared for you. He's not giving up on you. And you say, this is tough. How do I keep going? God says, just keep going. I'm, I'm working. I'm developing. I'm, I'm working in you. I love what Paul wrote. So to keep from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. I, I've asked the Lord 3,000 times. I've asked him every day to take it away. And, and I understand what Paul was thinking. I'm thinking, Paul's thinking, God, do you know who I am? If you took this away, I could travel more, I could speak more, I'd have more energy. Man, I started a Wednesday night service. Whatever you need, God, I could do it. But I need energy. I need this thorn in the flesh taken away. And Paul kept praying, take this away. I think Paul's wanting one of two things. He's wanting either God to take it away or give him an explanation, right? Why? Why do I have this? What are you going to do? Because I think if God said, listen, Paul. I'm going to sit you down, and we're going to give you a little more time, and you're going to write some letters. They're going to become what, most of, what is most of the New Testament, and believers for thousands of years are going to be reading your words, and they're going to know they're from me, and, and you're going to develop and disciple thousands upon hundreds of thousands and millions of people through these letters. I'm all right, while I sit down. I think Paul back. Like, cool. I'll sit down. I'll do that. But here's God's answer to him. Each time he said, read all out of me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. He did give him an explanation. He did tell why. He says, my grace is all you need. Pastor, leader, I don't know what you're facing this week, but here's what I know. His grace is all you need. His grace, so wherever you go, wherever meeting you go to, and you're like, man, the opposition, God's like, no, no, I got it. My grace is all you need. I, I need that resource. I need that building. My grace is all you need. And he told Paul, my grace is all you need. I, I think Paul learned to live that out. And look at Paul as he, as he looks back in retrospect. He says in verse 9, so now... I am glad to boast about my weakness. Read this out loud me so that the power of Christ can work through me. I can't tell you how many Saturday nights, you know, I get to church and I'm sitting backstage and I've coached my kids' football teams. I love to coach my kids' football teams. We have, we have three teams I usually coach, the Raiders, the Raiders, and the Raiders, God's team, the Raiders, right? <laughs> love fun stuff. Yeah, Raiders, you've got to be in the house, right? Like, no, okay, silence. <laughs> I sit backstage, and service is coming, and I change, and I lay down, and I kind of try to crack my back and get straight, and I'm working on getting ready to preach, and then all of a sudden, you know, someone comes back, service is starting, okay, 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 you know, I need to move, and literally sometimes five minutes before I'm supposed to go on stage, I can't move, I'm like, Michelle, my assistant, or Julie, my assistant, go, go get some help, and guys will come out and say, I need you guys to pray, I say, if God wants me to go on stage, He needs to do something because I can't get up. You're gonna have to carry me or something. And I can't tell you how many times I just start rocking, start rocking, and man, music is ending and is playing, and I'm freaking out. And I'm looking at my guys, going, "You, you better have something in the pocket, right?" And and working. On it, and all of a sudden, I'll just rock or I'll just lean forward, and all of a sudden, somewhere in the middle, and probably far less in the middle than, than I say. But as I just keep rocking, I go, up. God just meets me somewhere and says, okay, you got this. And he lifts me up and he takes me out on stage. And what a privilege to know, to know that when I walked on stage, God wanted me to come out and speak to the people in front of me. There's no, I can't, I don't know how many times in the past I went out because I had a good word I thought, or I learned something new and you know, I wanted to teach it. I know when I go on stage, God has called me to speak directly into people's lives. And I know what he's called me to teach them. What a privilege. And it's a gift and a perspective of struggle because there's value in the struggle. Two years ago, most of you remember this, Joyce Myers taught on stage. Remember? Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And she talked about the man at the pool of Bethesda, John chapter 5. You know the story. He's laid there. He's been crippled for 38 years. And Jesus comes upon the scene. They had this belief that when the water started, there was an angel coming by, and the first one in would be healed. If you look at the original Aramaic, it's where we get the phrase, last one in is a rotten egg. (laughs) No, it's not. I'm kidding. Somebody like, look on Google that. Tweet that. So, no. And this man had been laying there. And Jesus comes up, and what did he say? Do you want to be well? What's the man's answer? He answers in verse 7 I can't, sir. For every time the water stirs up, I'd have no one put me in the pool and someone beats me into the water. Jesus didn't ask him, can you? He said, do you want to? You can't control the can you. You control the do you want to. So every morning I get up, I say, God, I I want to this morning. I I want to today, God. I want to do whatever you want me to do. I I want to accomplish it. And so, God, if you'll give me the strength and energy, I will get up and go do what you want me to do. I will not give up. Because, see, the temptation is to give up. And I I know, leaders, I, I know, man, leading people is hard. It is rough. They, they don't show up, they don't call, they don't give, they complain, and that's just a short summary, right? <laughs> and then, then you come to a conference like this and you look around like, man, look at this place. Look at the buildings, and they, they got fountain out front, and at the kids' buildings. Man, if I had this kind of stuff, I wouldn't have the problems I have. Now, Ed Young doesn't struggle like I struggle. He's got easy. If Ed showed you his electric bill for Fellowship Church, you would have a coronary you'd kill over and die. <laughs> He'd say, no, thank you. There is no great church with a leader that has not struggled. Because we've all seen men and women who have taken off in leadership, who have shot off like rockets, but exploded like bombs. Because they didn't have the character to keep them where their talent took them. God will develop your character in the rough I stole that from Ed, that's good. God will develop your character in the tough times. He'll prepare you for what he's prepared for you. And so if you don't give up, you will see. See, the temptation is to give up, man. That deacon or that budget issue. It's not like if you give up, things are going to get better. It's not like if you, okay, I'm going to stop fighting the deacons. All of a sudden, church can get healthy because we're deacon-led. Or, you know. No. Don't do that. If I stop talking about money, people stop li- leaving. The money will get better. No, it won't. It'll get worse. You better preach on money and giving. You better teach what the Bible says. The problems don't get better. They get worse. If you give up. You won't have the story. You won't have the story. Talk to any older couple that looks happy married. Make sure they're happy, okay? <laughs> Ask them. Ask them. Tell me your story. This one will tell you. Man, we got married young, and we loved each other, and then we got into marriage a couple years, and things got tough, and they were leaning, and we ate top ramen, and man, there was days we didn't like each other, but man, you know, we wanted to quit, but we didn't believe in divorce, murder, yes, but we, didn't, we resisted, and, but we made it. And we're so glad we made it because what we have today, money can't buy. Nobody could give us because we worked for it. We struggled for it. And it's ours. <laughs> if you quit, you won't have the story. And if you quit and you don't have a story, you will not give God the glory. Your story is developing for God's glory and his honor and his praise. Live it out and don't give up. And i, I tell you, there's mornings that, that, that I'm just sitting and rocking and there's a little voice from the evil one saying, "It's not gonna happen today. Today's the day that you're not gonna get up." I was born not to lay down. I was born to stand up and fight. I'm not laying down. And so I just keep rocking. I just keep rocking. I said, "No, no, no. You know, we'll be out with friends after dinner, right? Because I've sat too long. It's hard to get up, and I'll just start rocking and trying to get up." And everything in the restaurant's like, "What's wrong with that guy? You know? And how are you doing? You know? Because whatever." And I start rocking, and all of a sudden, you know, my friends will come over and they'll try to help me up and say, "No, no, no. I'm not trying to be rude. and am grateful, but, but I got to do this because if somebody just helps me up." My legs aren't ready to stand, I'll fall down. So I just start rocking, I just start rocking, I start rocking. I'll do this and my kids will come over, you know, and they'll just be looking at me, can, can we help you dad? My kids are incredible and they'll reach out and I'll say no, 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 and, and they are tired of this phrase but I just tell them, there's value in the struggle. There's value in the struggle. Cause as I'm struggling, my blood's starting to pump and my muscles are starting to move and my legs are starting to work and my arms are starting to flex and I'm starting to get ready to get up. And see, here's it, it, the thing, there's value in your struggle leader. There's value in your struggle. Because as you're struggling, God is preparing you, and the blood's starting to flow, and the muscles are starting to flex, and you're developing your leadership, and God's getting you ready for something bigger than you currently have. And your platform is about to be elevated, but you've got to be ready to stay there and to lead from that position. There's value in your struggle. If there's nothing else, catching, there There's value in your struggle. God is not wasting your tears. He's storing them in a bottle, and he promises to use your experiences, and those tears you cried out of sadness been the past, someday are going to be tears of joy because you're going to watch God use them in the life of somebody else who needed to be encouraged by your your weakness, (laughs) by your struggle. One of the sidelines of my illness is I break into tears at any moment's notice, and that's been all my life, so apparently it's been a lifetime illness, but it's heightened with this deal. There's things I just rock, and I just rock. and I tell my kids, and I tell my friends there's value in this struggle. You see, I've seen value in my struggle over the last two years. I, I didn't ask for it. I, I'd gladly let God take it from me if he'd choose. But it's mine, and he allowed it to my life. And if it came through his hand, it came from his heart, and it's okay. Because even if the evil one tries to hurt me, he will use it for my good because he's promised that in his word. So there's nothing that can touch me, or a weapon that can be fashioned against me that's going to take me down. So I'll just keep rocking. because I keep rocking... I've watched the value of the struggle in my wife. So I've, I've watched my wife develop giftedness that I knew she had in her that's been allowed to be exhibited in leadership in our church. And I'm thankful, thankful for the value of the struggle and development in her life. I've watched my four beautiful children. They, they've seen things and had to do things that kids shouldn't have to see and do with their dad. And they follow me around. They make sure I'm not falling down. And they watch my eyes to see if I get dizzy. I push out against a wall. Don't let him fall. Protect his head. All right? they got the drill. It's like a fire drill at our house, right? And they know but I watch my kids develop compassion, I know somebody some down the line. See, my kids don't run from hurting people. They're not afraid of hurting people. They run to them, and they have compassion. And, and if down the line, if down the line God will use my children in great ways to help hurting people find Christ and become whole in Christ, I will rebel and thank God in my weakness. I'll boast about my weakness, because in my strength, in my weakness, he was made strong. I watch my kids, I watch our church develop character and compassion for the hurting people. I I've watched the staff develop because I couldn't have done the last two years without my staff. And I've learned something that I didn't know in value before. I, I may walk with a cane, but I travel with my staff. And I trust my staff, they've taken me a long way. See, I don't, I don't come to the office anymore. If I show, I show up in sweats and a t shirt, haven't showered in two days, haven't come my hair, like, hey, Greg's in the house, it's awesome but they, they make decisions and leadership that I would have made in my place and I trust them. I've watched my staff develop. Here's the thing, I've watched our voice develop as a church. Last baptism we did, you know, we're baptizing people coming through, people coming through, people coming through, I'm in this big pool baptizing people and the leaders came and they carried the, this man in who was shaking visibly and I, I could see it and I said, I said what do you have? And he said, MS, multiple sclerosis. I said, why are you getting baptized? He said, he said Pastor, your illness brought me to Christ. There's value in my struggle. The next week, the next week, I, I watched a man come throwing a volunteer tour and there's and something not right. And I looked at him and I, I said, What's wrong, man? And he started crying. He said, Pastor, you've led me to Christ through your illness. And see, here's the thing we, we've all been brought to Christ by people and we're all leading people to Christ. That's our role. And, and you know, it's awesome when you get to you know, be with the NBA foot-based basketball player and you get to disciple them. <laughs> here's the thing: more and more, as I look behind me, as I follow Christ, the cast behind me looks like a remake of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And my wife says it looks more like the ministry that Jesus had. So here's what I always to say to you, as we start. I'm kidding, we're almost done. I wanna watch Ed do impersonations of me after this talk, right, this is gonna be fun. Please, please show me the video. No, no, here's the deal. You stop, if I, I believe if you stop laughing, you stop living. So, so don't you stop laughing. If you stop laughing, I just look pathetic up here. So please laugh. <laughs> Here's what I do, man. I just keep rocking. Leaders, just keep struggling. There's value in your struggle. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep rocking. Here's what I do, man. I keep rocking. I keep rocking. My kids are stand there, no cheering me on, I'm like, "Dad, you can do it. You can stand up. Come on, Dad." And I'll keep rocking. I'll keep trying. I keep trying. My kids like, "Dad, we got to get to school. Come on, let's do this, right?" <laughs> I was keep going, Dad, second period's about to start. Can you speed it up, right? And I will keep rocking. But like, hey, here's the deal. There's diet and stroke because the blood starts flowing. The muscles start moving. All of a sudden, all of a sudden I keep moving. And also, wait, wait, wait. Uh, nope. My kid's like, you can do it, Dad. And I, uh, no. Uh, all right. And they're cheering me all of a sudden. I stand up. And here's the thing. I stood up. And it may not look pretty. It's not going to look pretty. But I'm up. And I'm not down. And don't you give up. Leader. Don't you give up. Because if you keep rocking, if you keep rocking, you're going to stand up. There's value in the struggle. Don't you give up. The kingdom of God needs you. You're called to too much, God's placing it within you, and He wants to draw it out of you. Don't you give up. You keep rocking. Let me just close with this. I kind of forgot this. Remember that Huffy bike Christmas? Yeah, that's a pathetic story. Here's something you need to know. So I hit the top of the stairs and I turned right and I, I started running I hit those chairs. There was there a was struggle all of a sudden. Because I had those chairs, I fell down, the plots going, and I fell on the ground. Chairs come down in pots and pans and all of a sudden, lights come on, my dad was stood up there and like, hey, come on up, you know, you're caught. And they were laughing at me but here's what they don't know. As I was on the ground, I started pushing the chairs off in pots and pans. I, peeked around the corner I saw the back end of a tire with a little bit of gold chrome rim and there was a huffy bike waiting for me and as I walked upstairs they could make fun they could tease all they walked because I knew in the morning I was getting a huffy bike I've seen too much of the goodness and the glory of God to give up now I've got a peak of, of hope I've got too much to give up and so do you the word became flesh and he met his dwelling among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only Begotten of the Father. We've seen too much at the cross and the empty tomb. Don't you give up, you keep rocking.
0: with a God who never changes, with a God who is sovereign and a God who is always loving. And that's the same peace, the same hope, the same joy that Lori's living with today. And, you know, that is God's design and desire for each and every one of us, no matter where you find yourself today. I don't know you personally, maybe, but I do know this. I know my God, and I know that His desire for you, His design is for you to live every day fearlessly. Again, not in the absence of fear, but finding in Him the confidence to fight through the fear so that you can live each day fearlessly. Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, we are so grateful. That you are such a big God we thank you that you sent Jesus that Jesus enables us to live in relationship with a perfect holy and loving God God I know right now that there are people in this room who are facing uncertainty who are facing struggle maybe they're in the midst of it right now God my prayer for them is that you. Of your glory of your goodness give them the strength they need to keep rocking to fight another day God I also know that there are people in this room who have not yet stepped into that relationship with you who do not yet know how to stand on the firm foundation of your strength your hope your peace with every head bowed and all eyes closed If that's you today and you've never stepped into a relationship and committed your life to Christ and begun living fearlessly, I I believe today is your day. If that's you today and you want to step into a fearless life of living with the sovereign God, then all you have to do is say this prayer silently with me. Lord, I love you. I need you. I understand my sin separates me from you, but I accept the forgiveness and the grace that Jesus offers. God, from this day forward, I want to live with you and for you. I commit my life to you today. If that's your prayer, then I want to encourage you by saying that you've just stepped into the relationship that will give you the strength the peace the joy the hope to live each day fearlessly and I'm going to ask if you just prayed that prayer and stepped into a relationship with Christ for the first time that you raised your hand fearlessly that you mark this moment that you recognize it as the moment that you begin living fearlessly in relationship with the almighty God We would also ask that you would take the time to let us know through the connection card that you got when you came in today. Let us know by checking that box that says, I committed my life to Christ today and hand it to someone at the blue tent on the way out. You see, we're a church that prays for moments like this. We're a church that that wants to come alongside you and help you navigate this journey of living fearlessly with the almighty god please let us know that and we're a church that loves to celebrate so as you put your hands down we want to put our hands together and say welcome home welcome home